Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I've got a word to help you today, to encourage you. It's a light word, but it's still it's a uplifting word because sometimes we get lost. Uh, we fail to see the significance of our our importance of our own lives because sometimes life is uneventful, isn't it? Uh, nine to five, same old, same old. Lord, are you ever going to do anything? Anything ever going to change? But your story is still being written. Uh, the, the reality is that you are strategically put here by the Lord Jesus Christ. He reached out, found you, and you have a destiny and a purpose to be fulfilled. And because you live, this world will never be the same. You have to fully grasp that. Because little things that you do for people, whatever it may be, as much as a, sm a smile is a word of encouragement, you never know what impact you make. Never underestimate your life. So often we become obscure and it seems as nothing matters. Uh, nothing is ever going to change. I'm not going to get my big break. Well, the truth is, is though you got your big great break when Jesus found you, and now you're getting to do life and tell other people about him, and sometimes get to use your words, but ultimately we live our lives before the world. If you have a Bible, I want you to go to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. My Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And my Father, I ask that your anointing be upon your people, that, Lord, that I would be able to encourage them, help them, equip them. I thank you, Lord, for ministering to Pastor Eric and Pastor Heather as they're away, that you strengthen them, fill them, encourage them, and provide for them in, in monumental ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Endurance is... The key, it's listed here three times. We run with endurance, the race that's set before us. We're all in a race, whether you like it or not, whether you're a jogger or not, you are in life's race. Uh, endurance is the key to winning in life. Uh, quitters don't win. And winners are just quitters that won't quit. If that made sense to you. Uh, we fasten our eyes on Jesus because he endured the cross and the rejection of mankind. He, he endured it for us. Now we look to him and we understand because of his strength, we can overcome any obstacle. He's our champion, our strength, and he gives us strength to run this life's marathon race. Now, I used to jog, and I jogged for years. I don't do it anymore. Uh, but uh, while I ran, you would hit this thing they call the proverbial wall. Any ever runner's experience, and you're out running, and you hit this where your body says, 
I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not taking another step. Your legs ache. You get this sudden fatigue over you and you go, uh-uh, not doing it. At that time, you push. Your will just pushes your body to take, keep taking one step, one step, one run in front of the other. That's all you do. And it's like your body is saying, quit doing this to me. And eventually, you hit the second wind. And you're able to go on. A lot of you are in that position where you go, I, I, I'm done. No, you're not done. You, you're tougher than you realize. You can endure more than you think you can endure. Why? Because Jesus endured it for you. I think that we are able to push back our fatigue. As Christians, we get tired, we get discouraged, we want to quit. But never, ever quit. Never, ever, ever quit. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Come on, look at him, slap him upside of the head and say, don't quit. Now, don't really hit him. I mean, but, but you know what I mean, don't quit. The Bible says this in Galatians 6, 9, so let, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't doubt in the dark what God showed you in the light. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus started something in you and he's never going to quit. He don't quit what he starts. He's working on a masterpiece in you. The truth is, you didn't find Jesus. He found you. He hunted you down and saved you. Well, I, you know, I, I found Jesus. No, he found you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You are a work in progress. That will never, ever stop. If you're discouraged with your life today, if you're mad at yourself today, get over it. Because you're still in process. Your story is still being written. It's not finished yet. What if Moses would have quit, you know, during year 90, 39 in the desert? Psalms 138, verse 8, in the Passion Translation, I, I love the way it says, it says, it says, you keep every promise you've ever made to me since your love for me is constant and endless. I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. He's up to something. He, he's not twiddling his thumbs. He's not forgotten about you. He's busy about your life. Heaven is busy about the things that you prayed about the day that you prayed about them. Can I have an Amen. This is, this is not a race that I run in which I hope that I win and you don't. No, it, it's something that we gain strength from one another as we run together because we are better together. This church is better together as we run together. You hurt, I hurt. You rejoice, I rejoice. We need each other. So this morning, we're going to put our running shoes on and, and we're going to get ready and we're going to run together. The Bible says that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So if you can imagine that we're in this great stadium and we got all these heroes of the faith and they surround us and there we are running a marathon around and around and around. And we, we run for a long time and we look up in the stadium. We, we're exhausted. We're wanting to quit and we're not, we're not encouraged and we're about to lose hope and out from the stadium, someone comes to encourage us. It's Noah. Noah runs up alongside us, and his stride beats our stride. 
And he's going to say something to us that's going to change our life. He's going to give us wisdom because Noah lived in a difficult time. So we're listening to his word as we're just trudging through. And he looks up at us and he says, listen to me. One person can make a difference. In the day of Noah, God was so upset with humanity, he decided he was going to just wipe out everyone. And then he, he, he fell in love with one man. And the Bible says that, he, that Noah found grace and favor in the sight of the Lord. Because Noah stayed faithful to God in, every, in the very wicked world that he was in, God saved humanity through one man. Of course, his children as well. But what if Noah had not found favor? What if he decided, well, everybody's living wicked. I'm going to live wicked. What if he decided just, you know, I'm going to, why be faithful? This doesn't pay. Forget it. I'm done. What if he'd quit because it's too hard? What would be written about us today? We don't know, thank God. Because, because he found favor, the human race continued. As he ran up, he says, he looks at you and says, you can make a difference. You can make a difference in your family. You can make a difference in your church. You can make a difference at your job. You can make a difference at your school. You can make a difference in your generation. You can make a difference. No matter how old you are. Because Noah was 500. Anybody here 500? Hmm? No? It's your destiny to run the race of endurance. And if you finish, you ha it is in you to finish the race strong. Your life is making a difference. If it's being minimized, stop it. Shut the devil up. Jesus saw something in you. You see what Jesus saw. You're made the righteous because of the blood of Jesus. So now then you have found favor in the sight of the Lord. Are you seeing this? He made a difference in you. You make a difference in your children. You make a difference with your friends and your coworkers. Your age doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you love God and you're loving others. Because God's grace and favor is on your, on your life, you're changing the world. You are. Is anyone hearing me today? You can make a difference. Look at your neighbor and say, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. I know I, know I made a difference in a young man's life. I was, my phone rang at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was an African voice on the other side, and I, I don't talk to anybody at 3 a.m. I says, it's 3 a.m. Hung up. He called back. It's a long story how this happened. But I bonded with a young pastor. He found our, our number. Uh, we At Tree of Life, we'd, we'd advertise a missions conference. He found an old magazine, called that number, that someone there at that ministry uh, had gave him my home number, which I'd been gone for like eight years. And, and I ended up talking to this young man. And he said, I said, what do you want from me? He, started, he called back. He said, I want books and I need a pastor. He says, my mother founded a church. He said, I don't know anything. And I began to pastor this young man and begin to send him books, and, I, and, I, I, and begin to just equip him along the way. And then he said, I want you to come. I said, okay, I'll come. Well, I was remodeling my house at the time, and I, says, and I called him two weeks before, said, I'm not coming. I, I'm, I, I can't. I can't. I'm remodeling the house. I, I'm pastoring the church. 
And he calls me one week before I'm supposed to be there. And he says, pray again. The Holy Spirit's not released you from me. And my wife looks at me and says, you know you're supposed to go. Women. <laughs> I ended up getting a visa, getting all my, my yellow fever shot, getting my ticket, all that in one week. And ended up in Ghana, Africa. Walked off a plane at 10 o'clock in the night to meet a man I've never met. Been going there for 20 years. And what God has done there is an absolute miracle. I could tell you, I can spend the rest of the time talking about the things that God has done there in Africa. I have, I'm, a, I'm his, he says, he says, white father, black son. He's, he's now, uh, he didn't know anything. Now he's an author. He travels all over the world. He's raised three people from the dead. He's a, he's a bishop. He said, Dad, I'm hot. Everybody loves me now. He says, but you knew me when no one else did. And you poured into me. And God used me to help, help him. Now, when I've been there for two days in Africa, and that was back when Africa was Africa, spirit of loneliness come on me, and I said, I'm out of here. I, I, I'm going to find me a ride. I'm going to the airport. I don't care what it takes. I'm going home. And the Holy Spirit said, stop. Stay, I have something for you to do. Endure. One person can make a difference. I've made a difference. We're running along and another character steps out. He steps out and it's David. He comes along and he's running along with us. And he's going to encourage us. And he says to us, he says, you can overcome the limitations others place on you. Now you think about David's life. He, he, he had a lot of limitations. Samuel the prophet comes over to, to Jesse's house, his dad, and says, hey, I'm going to go over tomorrow. I'm going, to anoint, uh, I'm going to anoint one of your children as being the next king, one of your boys. So Jesse gets all the kids up there, the boys up there, and Sam comes up, and he, he goes to number one. He says, okay, this is the eldest. This has got to be it. Nope. God says, nope. He goes through all seven. And at the end of the number seven, Samuel the prophet looks at Jesse and says, Jesse, I don't understand. God's not anointed any of these boys. He says, do you have a, another son? And Jesse says, well, yeah, I got a runt kid. He's the youngest. He's out watching the sheep. He's a teenager. He says, go get him. So here he comes covered in sheep hoo-hoo, a mess, and Sam the prophet anoints David to be the next king of Israel. His mom and dad didn't even think that he was qualified. And then we looked at something, he didn't stop there because here he, 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 is, he is, Israel is in a standoff with the Philistines. Goliath has been mocking the army of the living God. And uh, Saul is at the very back. In the tent. He's in the very far away from the enemy lines as he can get, hiding. Six foot five, 250 pounds, good looking man, but God had rejected him because he'd been disobedient. Now here comes this young, young runt. He's been anointed secretly to be the next king. He comes to bring his brother's food, and as he gives his brother's food, he says, what are you doing here? Shepherd boy, go back to your few little sheep. 
who tried to intimidate him, you know. They saw him anointed to be the next king, and they're jealous over him, and who knows? They say, he can't be the next king. And then and they, he says, he walks up and says, hey, this guy, Goliath, this guy walks over and says, yeah, Goliath is mocking us all the time. He says, what's, it, what's in it for me if I defeat him? He says, well, you get uh, lots of money. Uh, you get a reward. Number two, you get the king's daughter. And number three, you get to leave, live tax-free. He says, sounds good. Where is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'll take him on. 16 years old. So he grabs a hold of him and he, goes, he runs to Saul. Come on. So he goes to King Saul and says, King Saul, live forever. I have good news. I have bad news. He says, what's the good news? Good news is I found someone to fight Goliath. What's the bad news? This is him. <laughs> See, God loves to promote from obscurity. What's David doing? Prepare to be king, to take on Goliath. He's worshiping God. He's writing songs. He's loving God. He's having a relationship. He has no idea that he is actually getting the Father's heart. Isn't it amazing that when you're obscure, if you worship, if you're obscure and you give glory to God, you never have an idea what God is doing in your life. We know that, we know that David, he, he, he took him on, unlikely shepherd boy, and we know that he won cut off Goliath's head, and there was a great victory that day. But think about it. David's dad and mom didn't think he was king material. His brothers didn't think he was soldier material. And Saul didn't think he was giant killing material. David overcome the obstacles that other people had put on him. What lies are you listening to? Sometimes they're very distant. Words spoken over you when you were a child through a loved one. You'll never accomplish anything. You're stupid. You'll, you're, you're, you're no good. Words spoken over you, they need to be broken in the name of Jesus. You need to overcome the limitations others put on you. And now we running along, we, we're, and here comes a lady. She comes out of the stands, and she comes along running inside us. And, and uh, it's Rebecca. And Rebecca, she runs alongside, and she, she begins to run with us. How many want to know what she has to say? Anybody want to know? Be ready to serve and help others with a good attitude. Abraham sent Eliezer to go back to his homeland, homeland to find a wife for his son Isaac. The servant is nervous about going, but Isaac's in a panic. Because Isaac is seeing the wife of Eliezer. And she's a big, boned, healthy lady with missing teeth. And he's heard Eliezer say how beautiful she is. So he's not very confident that Eliezer is going to come back with what he calls pretty. So he's in prayer. Panic prayer. Eliezer, he, he, Eliezer, he prays, he says, Lord, give me a divine encounter. Lord, whoever is to be Isaac's wife, let her offer me a drink of water. And he thought, no, that's not specific enough. Then he prayed, Lord, let her also offer to give my camels a drink. Now, when he put that little postscript in his prayer, he was asking God for a huge confirmation because he had 10 camels. 
And camels, at the end of the day, can drink 20 gallons of water. 10 gallons, excuse me, 20 gallons, 10 camels, 200 gallons. Now, here comes Rebecca. He sees him. She's pretty. He, then she asks, this is, then he asks her for a drink from her pitcher. And she says, yes, I'll give you a drink. Sure. You're tired from your journey? Drink, Lord. And then she says, hey, let me water your camels as well. So he sat down. And he watched this young woman begin to carry water by herself as the man sat down. He wasn't there by himself. Eliezer had servants with him, and they all sat down. While this young, petite woman began to carry all, uh, all this water for the camels. Now, let's say that she can lift a five-gallon bucket. That's 41 pounds. That's 40 trips. Now, <clears throat> camels are mean-spirited, and they stink. She's going to carry 1,620 pounds of water. Let's say that it takes three minutes for each trip. That's two hours. Now, you know that Rebecca also has servants. She never one time asked for other servants to come do what she, what she volunteered to do. So this guy sat there and watched. He says, is this the one? Because I really don't care. She quits right now. Don't care. Is she the one? Is she the one? She's serving with a good attitude. Now, think about it. Western women, you volunteer to do something, and the men sit down, and you're working. There's a little Texas attitude beginning to develop in you, isn't there? Why don't you get off your lazy rear end? Who the heck do you think you are? Get, get the water yourself. You understand your attitude is your greatest asset or your greatest enemy? Can you say that again? Your attitude is your greatest asset or your greatest enemy. Someone walks up to you and says, hey, would you like to serve in the church? Well, what's in it for me? Too many people want money and position. They want immediate reward. Because ministry is work. It's work. This service is brought to you today by people that are serving you. If you came in and sat down and did nothing, then God bless you. No condemnation. But the lights didn't turn on themselves. The heat didn't turn on itself. The people that are doing everything here came to serve you so you can encounter Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Serving. Serving. Serving with a good attitude. Promotion comes. She never realized that the camels that she was giving water to had treasures. Every one of them was packed with treasures for her. Packed with treasures. Do you know that there's a, there's a treasure chest behind you being faithful to what God's called you to do in the little things? Just keep doing it. And if you're not doing it, then find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be in this church. It could be anywhere, but begin to show yourself faithful and serve others with a good attitude. And then I'll finish with this the little boy. We look up, he comes out of the crowd. He runs with us. He's unnamed. We don't know who he is. 
His name is not mentioned in the scripture, but he has a word of encouragement for us. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. Crowds are huge coming, coming to listen to him speak. And the little boy decides he wants to go hear him speak. So he asks his mom, says, Mom, I want to go hear Jesus. She says, okay, let me pack you a lunch. So she packs him a two-fish uh, dinner, and off she goes. Now, he's, he's adolescent, I mean, probably 12, 13, something like that. So he's hungry every five minutes, and he's wanting to eat this lunch all day long, all day long. He's thinking, oh, my gosh. But he gets in the presence of Jesus, and he's, he's in awe, and he forgets about him being hungry. And Jesus finishes, the, to, finishes what he says, and then he says, okay, now, guys, uh, this, there's this disciples said, so now send the people away so they can find something to eat. He says, no, you give them something to eat. He says, well, how are we going to do that? So the disciples begin to call in the crowd. Does anybody here have any food? Anybody have any food? It's amazing to me that they said there were 5,000 men, which is equated to 15,000, 20,000 people, that no one raised their hand that we have food. Hoarders, there's only a single one of them. But this little boy, insignificant little boy, had the conviction of God come on because one of the disciples walked right next to him and says, anybody here have any food? See, so he then had an opportunity to give and be a part of a miracle to give. And it was a major investment for him because he was hungry. So we know that he, uh, he looked up and he said, okay, I have food. Think about it. The only person in the crowd that didn't need a miracle was the boy with the lunch. The only person in the crowd that could be used by God to create a miracle was the boy with the lunch. It's hard to obey God when he asks you to give something that is dear to you. It's difficult to give when you, you have what you have is so small and the need is so great. What good is my gift going to do? When God asks you to give, sometimes it does not make sense. God is trying to get you to activate your faith. He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. He wants you to partner with him. It was impossible for him to know that Jesus was going to take his lunch, multiply it, and feed thousands of people. It's impossible. It's impossible. I wonder how many miracles people miss when they refuse to obey God in the little things. All too often we hold something so dear, financial security, we won't give because we think God won't provide for us. The scripture tells us to give, and it'll be given back to us, good measure, pressed down to, and shaken together and running over. This hungry boy gives his lunch, and I look at it like this. He follows the disciples. He follows that lunch. He just looks on his hair. That lunch goes off, and here he goes. He runs after the lunch. And pretty soon he's face-to-face -face with Jesus. And Jesus looks at his son, you give me this lunch? He says, yes, sir, it's yours. He says, now, watch this. And the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, began to take something so small and insignificant from such a, a even a, a no-name boy and feeds fifteen to 20,000 people. It, 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 it ruined him. It ruined him for the rest of his life. What, what did he, what's he going to say to us? He's going to say, you can trust Jesus with your lunch. Can you see him going home now to mom? Mom, 
I gave Jesus my lunch. He fed 15,000 people. Henry, get the belt. This boy's lying again. And then the disciples show up with 12 baskets full. So this is what your boy did. This is what he did. It, it marked him for the rest of his life. He told all of his friends when he got married, that was the first story his children heard. When he had grandkids, he told, he told the story. Everywhere he went, he was talking about how Jesus can take what you give him and he can multiply it exceedingly. So often we say, well, I, you know, I, you know I, what can I give? You know, 10 cents on a dollar doesn't sound like a lot of money. God started dealing with me. I just got saved in 1976. Is that right? 74, something like that. Long time back. Making $360 in the United States Navy. My wife and I, we started writing that $36 check. I can tell you this, out of 47 years, God's never one time let me be faulty on one bill. He's provided for me. He's raised up a church from the ashes. He's provided on every occasion. He's healed my body. He's healed my kids. He's, I, I, am the, I am the most blessed man I know. I know none more blessed than me. What I learned that Jesus will multiply it back to you. You can trust Jesus with your lunch. One person can make a difference no matter how old you are. You can overcome the limitations others place on you. Serve and give to others with a generous spirit. And of course, again, you can trust Jesus with your lunch. My Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy on our lives. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, you're good to us. You're merciful to us. We bless and we honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.